Blog Talk Radio. another episode of a sound heart radio uh this morning i'm going to be speaking from matthew chapter 28 matthew chapter 28 and uh our subject is of course the person of jesus and who he is in our lives so i want to focus on the authority that uh, has been given to him because of who he is and what he accomplished. He is the incarnate Lord of glory. And uh, there's some very interesting information that's provided for us uh, in Matthew chapter 28 uh, about Jesus and the resurrection. And so I want to begin there, and then I want to focus on his uh, his authority, his power, and then his power toward us uh, that Paul talks about in uh, his letter to the Ephesians. And so uh, let us have a word of prayer, and then we'll begin our study for this morning. We do thank you, Heavenly Father, for this opportunity to study your word. We thank you for your many blessings in our lives. We thank you, Father, that you are protecting us and have protected us in the past from the methods, the fiendish methods of the enemy and his confederates. We thank you, Lord, uh, that we are protected in Christ. And so we go forth with the understanding that God is for us, who can be against us? We ask your blessing upon our study this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So, uh, in Matthew chapter 28, I'm going to, I'm going to begin reading uh, at verse 1. End of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. Now, please understand that the, there, there, there's a sentry here, and uh, they, uh, they're Roman guards, and they have been uh, told to guard this particular sepulcher, this particular tomb. And then verse 3, his countenance or his face was like like lightning. I can't even imagine what this means. And his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. So uh, let me go on. And the angel answered 
and said unto the women, Fear ye not, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. For he is not here. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There you shall see him. Lo, I have told you. And they departed from the sepulcher with fear and great joy and did run to bring his disciples' word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, All hail. And they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Then said Jesus unto them, Be not afraid. Go tell my brethren, and notice the language, Go tell my brethren that they go into Galilee, and there they shall see me. Now when they were going, behold, some of the watch came into the city and showed unto the chief priests all the things that were done. And when they were assembled with the elders and had taken counsel, they gave large money unto the soldiers, saying, Say ye, his disciples came by night and stole him away while we slept. And if this comes to the governor's ears, that is, Pilate, Pontius Pilate, we will persuade him and secure you. So they took the money. They took the money and did as they were taught. And this thing is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. So there, there are some very powerful uh, truths that I, that I want to focus on now. And uh, uh, I want to turn your attention back to verse 5. So the resurrection event was a, 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 an event of power. And, and notice the, uh, that there is, a, in verse 2, there was a great earthquake. And this angel of the Lord descended out from heaven, and it was he who rolled back the from the door of the sepulcher and then he sat on it and so here uh, this is all this is about triumph and notice it doesn't say that he rolled back the door the stone door to let Jesus out of the tomb uh, this was open for evidence to the disciples there were the women who were gathered there first Later, the men uh, would receive their witness, but some did not want to believe uh, because of what they had seen before. They they remember the trial. They remember the false witnesses that were brought in. They remember that the Savior... There, there was the, the, the denial of Peter, and then there was the mockery by the soldiers, brow, a crown of thorns, and they gave him a reed scepter, and they uh, uh, robed him in purple, 
Now, notice that, and they, they, they blindfolded him and, and, and beat him uh, with their fists. And uh, so there were uh, other things that they did. And uh, he was whipped with a cat of nine tails. And they, they bowed in homage to him. And so all uh, in, in, in mockery. And here uh, was Satan's glee that he could get his human uh, emissaries uh, to uh, be so abusive toward the Son of God. And thereafter, he was brought out and he was nailed to a gibbet. And there were uh, the Sicarii, two other individuals who were also crucified. And one even recognized that this man should not be treated in such a manner. Even a centurion had the same testimony of this man. Pilate's own wife came to him and said, have nothing to do with this man. And so even though the Sanhedrin had brought in uh, false witnesses that bore false testimony or uh, they were lying witnesses, here were the witnesses that God had provided and these, uh, these were real witnesses. They were character witnesses to the person of Jesus. And Jesus promised one of the uh, dagger men who had been crucified with him, this day you will be with me in paradise. And so that man uh, was saved by Jesus on the cross. Now notice. His ministry never stopped. He ministered to that crucified man, and Jesus also uh, spoke words of forgiveness to those who had crucified him. Father, he cried, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Luke, and Luke's account of the crucifixion scene, he talks about how those uh, who had uh, so true uh, brutalized Jesus, uh, they tried to brutalize his reputation and then his person, that they, uh, they danced around the scene of the cross like children. That is what uh, Luke wrote. This, they believe, was their triumph. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Uh, and so Jesus bore their sin as he bore our sin. As we go down in Matthew, uh, we read in verse 5, quote, And the angel answered and said unto the women, Hear ye not, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. Now, in the Greek, uh, it reads different, and I, I need you to to get this because it reads in the Greek, Iesum, uh, and that is Jesus the crucified. You seek Jesus the crucified. Now, uh, in the Greek, 
This is what we call a perfect passive participle. So notice that from that point on into eternity, he is Jesus, the crucified. Now, we have the passive participle, which means that Jesus received the action of the verb. He was acted upon uh, by an outside agency. In other words, this was allowed in the plan of God. This was allowed. He submitted himself to the will of the Father. It was Jesus who said, my food is to do the will of the Father. Now, remember, when he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, it was because of this cup, this event. And he asked the Father if this cup could pass from him. But then he accepted the will of the Father. He submitted to the perfect will of God. He submitted himself to the plan of God. But notice, he prayed. And then after he prayed in Gethsemane, the Judah, Judah showed up with the temple police, and Judas identified Jesus with a kiss. And so when the soldiers or the temple police went to arrest Jesus, they could not do it until the strategic timing of God. They would not be allowed to place their hands upon the pristine person of Jesus until that exact moment in God's timing. God is in control. When we say God is in control, this is what we mean. God is in control. We may not see or understand the entire plan of God, but from our perspective and the way God has worked in our lives in the past up to this present moment, you look back with scripture-saturated eyes, you look back, with a heart that has submitted to the will of God, you look back with a heart that is filled with the Spirit. You look back with a heart that presently is in fellowship with the Lord. And you say, and I can say, this is how I got over. This is how I made it over. This is how I made it through because of God. And so... uh, This is how you know that you are a disciple of the Lord. Later on in Paul's writings, he will write at length about suffering with Christ. Paul will write and live by this ethos. This is a major motif in his writings, suffering with Christ. Paul talks about being uh, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, that I may know him. Remember, it was Paul who stood and held the clothing, the cloaks of those 
who stoned Stephen to death. And now uh, that was Saul, and now Paul is here. He's on the other side, <clears throat> and he sees with divine understanding. Listen, there are people that you and I know, and you think that they are perfectly capable of understanding spiritual phenomena just as you and I. And that is not the case. Because what happens when people reject the divine knowledge, when uh, people reject epinosis, when people reject divine perception that God has provided? Because it is a gift. It is the gift of God. When they reject God's gift of salvation, then what God does is to take from them that which they possessed. And that is a frightening judgment when God takes away uh, the knowledge that he has provided for you uh, to be saved and to live a righteous life. That is rejected. It is taken away by God. Because why? Look what the individual has decided. That individual has decided to live a selfish and self-righteous existence. And the Bible states that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. So forever. And notice, in the last message I gave, I talked about the lamb and his wounds in the throne room of heaven. John said he had he saw a lamb as, as though it had as it had been slain. The wounds of love are in heaven right now. Jesus is there. The wounds that he suffered for us will not go away. The wounds of love. In the Song of Solomon, we read, Many waters cannot quench love. Listen, we live in a time and we live in a crooked and perverse generation that want to destroy humanity through a transhumanist agenda and the Georgia Guidestones and they want to destroy man qua man or man as man. A long time ago, C.S. Lewis wrote a book called The Abolition of Man. I recommend that you read that book. I recommend it highly and it will give you some insight into the Subtle and uh, and also the overt the uh, overt ways in which the uh, people today who are energized that people say who don't know God and who are energized by demonic powers how they see humanity and what their machinations are so. Now, and so when we go to uh, Matthew twenty-eight sixteen, we read these words. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, 
into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted for a moment. Now, notice what is going on here. He, is, he meets with his, the 11 disciples because you know, and I know that, uh, that Judas uh, of Iscariot uh, committed suicide. Uh, he had been recruited by the devil and used by uh, the Sanhedrin Council uh, to identify Jesus. We read uh, in uh, John's Gospel that <clears throat> when they were in that upper room, when the disciples were with Jesus in that upper, upper room, we read the frightening words uh, with regard to Judas that Satan entered into him. Satan entered into him. Now, notice in this very dangerous place, the upper room was the most dangerous place one could be at this time. Jesus was with his own. Jesus was consoling his own. Jesus was in fellowship with his own. He was preparing them against the day of his arrest, trial, and crucifixion. And so the disciples were being prepared for a horrific event that was to uh, befall their, their lives. And so here was the devil himself. The uh, prophecy tells us that the serpent would bruise the heel of Jesus. But then Jesus would crush the head of the serpent. Now, the language is harsh, and some people would find it difficult, but that is what the scripture teaches. And uh, when we teach the word of God the way it should be taught, uh, there are some hard things that, that some may or may not like. And, uh, but God wants us to know the truth about who he is and what is going to befall the devil. So he is going to crush the head of the serpent. So, and this is Romans 16, uh, verse 20. Paul writes, quote, and the God, and notice the language, no, note the, just, the juxtaposition. And Paul writes, the, and the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Now, in the Greek, the word bruise means to shatter. And the God of peace, the God who is characterized uh, by peace, the God who, uh, uh, who is his essence or his nature is peace. That is, uh, undisturbed rest, undisturbed rest and tranquility. It is the very nature of God. 
It is a, an attribute of uh, the divine essence. The God of peace shall shatter Satan under your feet. Now, you know, we want to know why, one of the reasons why, uh, big reasons why Satan opposes the saints as he does is because he knows the future. As we know the future, if our hearts are saturated with the truth of the word. This is the end of Satan. He is to be shattered under the feet of the saints whom he has actively or whom he actively opposes because they are in Christ. They belong to Jesus. They are the bride of Christ. And so, this is uh, and so he uh, he has taken an abusive school of God because he knows who they are and he wants to do uh, harm to God's own people. So in Revelation 12, John writes these words. Quote, starting at verse nine, and the great dragon was cast out. That old serpent called the devil and Satan, who deceiveth or which deceiveth the whole world, system is a lie. Understand that the cosmic system is a lie. Understand that the word of God never says, never says anything positive about the cosmic system. Never understand that the devil is our enemy. Uh, He is called the hater. The hater had come along and sown a bearded darnel or that which mimics real wheat. He has sown sown, uh, bearded darnel among the wheat. Wheat. So because they are practically indistinguishable, understand that this is the enemy. He is the enemy. He goes on. Which deceiveth the whole world, he was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God. And the power of his Christ, verse 10. Uh, This is the second part of verse 10. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before God night and day. So, in verse 9, he is called the dragon. That is, this invisible entity called uh, the devil. He is called the dragon, the devil. And Satan. In verse 10, he is called the accuser of our brethren. In the Greek, the word or accuser is kategoron. He is called the the kategoros. And which means uh, to uh, the, uh, the, 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 the accuser, the word accuser means to impeach in a legal sense. That is, 
he wants to publicly humiliate and publicly ruin or impeach the character of believers. Please read Zechariah 3. Please read Proverbs 18:17. And so this is a name with which most believers are unfamiliar. They rarely if ever have heard of, of, of the categoros because it's not taught. And then uh, he is called a votary by Peter, that is, one who follows things around, uh, taking meticulous or noting uh, with uh, meticulousness, great meticulousness, their action. Because he, he is going about, he goes about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour or whom literally, it reads, whom he may swallow down whole. So we go back to Matthew, Matthew 28, verse 17. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubt. What I want you to get is that the doubt of some does not stop the work of God. Well, I, I have doubts about this, or I doubt this. And understand that doubt never unleashes the power of God in one's life. Oh, doubt and faith cannot coexist. Either one has faith, which unleashes the power of God, or one is controlled or imprisoned by doubt. Doubt imprisons. Doubt curtails hinders the work of God. It is without faith, it is impossible to please him. But some doubt it. Now, are you going to allow the doubt of some to hinder your relationship with God? Or it may be a respected authority figure. And you say, well, I dare not step out of line and align myself with the faithful because then uh, I'm, going to, uh, I'm going to lose the respect of this one who doubted or who doubts God constantly. What are you going to do? Who is on the Lord's side? Are you on the Lord's side, or are you among those who doubt? Listen, the world that you thought you knew and that you believed in, and I uh, may, uh, to some extent believe in, that, thing, that is all gone. It has evaporated. Now they're heaping more confusion upon people through the multiverse and through uh, an artificially uh, engineered uh, food shortages and supply shortages. And, the, uh, the, what they're, and they're destroying uh, the ability of people to get to work through rising gas prices. The gas prices rise may, and the, uh, 
and then the the power of the dollar to purchase goods and services uh, is diminishing rapidly. They're now no longer talking about hyperinflation. They're now talking about uh, another event uh, to take place within the uh, uh, in the economy. So uh, they know that the Fed is not going to do anything. Uh, and so I've been assured now, I, I've been hearing it for a few weeks now, that 30-year fixed mortgages are now of, uh, at 5%. And I spoke uh, a few weeks ago with a real uh, person I know who's in real estate, and she was talking about mortgage rates are we're nearing 5%. And so what are people doing? Well, people are sitting tight. They don't want to sell uh, anymore. And so uh, a lot of home builders are being uh, put out of business because they can't buy supplies. They can't pay for supplies and workers uh, because the dollar's going down and prices are rising. So I want to take this opportunity right now to say, but go out and buy some food. Go out and buy water. Go out and buy warm jackets, good, uh, good shoes. Buy wool blankets. Buy wool socks. Get wool sweaters. Buy the supplies you need. Have different fuel sources and power sources. You can't rely on just gas alone. Have some different fuel sources at your disposal. Get good gloves. Uh, get medical equipment. You know, they're saying now that uh, because it, uh, inflation is where it is, average families will have to budget uh, $5,000 more because of what is going on. And they know that that uh, wages are not in key, cannot keep up with inflation, so they know this. But uh, the powers that be voted the people who work with them, um, you know, higher salaries and benefits because they know what is going on. Listen, what these people really don't get is that God sees. And God is going to exact vengeance on them for their betrayal, for their pretense, for their hardiness, for their arrogance, for their hubris in doing what they're doing to families. God sees. And I know because of what these people are doing, I know hell is real. Look, they may not read the word of God, but Isaiah wrote that hell hath enlarged her mouth beyond measure. You want to be destructive to families who want to be honorable, who want to be honorable uh, citizens and who want to uh, be honorable in every aspect of life. You want to hurt, do harm to these people and uh, believers are in their ranks, you want to destroy these people, then the Bible tells, read Psalm 7, God says, 
the hole you dig, you will fall into it. God says that you do such things to the godly, then you are going to be judged. God tells those who want to groom babies, harm children, destroy children, ritually sacrifice children, literally ritually sexually abuse children. God said, look, and Jesus said this because he knew about pedophilia. And Jesus said, it would be better for these persons if what? A great millstone were hung about their necks and they were cast into the uttermost parts of the sea because God is coming for them. God is coming for them. Jesus is coming for them. All power in heaven and earth has been given unto Jesus. He is coming. And he is uh, treading out the fierceness of the winepress of almighty God. Power is irresistible. All power in heaven and earth has been given unto him. And man, oh man, I've been reading about some of the sins of these people, what they've done to children, and uh, what they've done uh, to families, and God. I see why he talks about fire and brimstone. And God is going to bring an end to them. And this universe is so polluted, God says, what? Uh, we read about the renovation of the earth by fire, and God's going to destroy this place. And I read long ago about at what? The polar caps, the North Pole and the South Pole. There are these incredibly large methane pockets, frozen gas that God is going to use to incinerate this place. He's going to burn it up because it needs to be burned up because of the sin and the horrific practices that go on there. If you would read Romans 1 in the Greek, you're, I don't know if your hair could stand up, but oh man, the things that Paul wrote through the power of the Spirit about what these people are and what they do. Paul wrote, and you can read it in the Greek, that they treated one another with viciousness. And it is within the context of their sexual perversions and pathology. They treated one another with viciousness. Paul wrote that the men with men burn themselves out like like matches. They burned them through their lustful patterns. They burned out. And how they left the use of the woman and and just their unseemly act. Why how could he write with such accuracy about what is going on today? Because they were doing the same thing then. They were doing the same thing then. God is going to shatter the serpent under the feet of the saints. What we have in the Revelation, we have a courtroom scene in which the Father is seated on the throne, and we have uh, the elders 
that are seated also in that room. And Jesus comes and he receives in chapter 5 the the scroll or the biblion and he begins the uh, tribulation. Now, that is it. He begins the tribulation period and I'm going to go into the book of Ezekiel in our next show and I'm going to show you that each time a seal is opened, it is uh, in line with the book of Ezekiel and with a being called Azoa. Azoa, Z-O-A. I'm going to talk about the Zoas and what God is doing. Look, saints, I want you prayed up. I want you strong. I want you to get tough. I want you to come out of this stupor. I want you to come out of this sleep hole of Oh, being comfortable. I want you to get tough in the word. I want you to be prayed up. I want you to prepare. I want you to get tough with your with your thinking. How do you do that? Think scripture. Stop listening to what these people say. You know they don't have you're good and at heart. You know they want to manipulate you. You know this. In your heart, get right with the Lord. And you're going to see some wonderful blessings come your way. When you seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will follow you. God is for you. God is on your side. Now, what needs to happen and what the enemy has carefully done to people, he's convinced people, listen carefully, not to be on their own side. When you're on your own side, what does that mean? Well, it means that you start listening to, exclusively listening to what God has to say to you. Start doing the things that are well-pleasing to God, then you're going to see some changes in your life. I want you to see powerful changes. I want you to see substantive change. You can no longer afford to allow the thinking of the cosmic system to seep into your brain, seep into your soul. You have to excrete you have to evacuate that stuff from your life. You are a soldier. We are soldiers of the cross. We have to put on the armor of God. We have to be ready. We have to be witnesses in the cosmic system. That's why God has left us here, that we may be witnesses to those who do not know him. You know who you are, and you know whose you are. Now is the time to live like it. Good morning. My name is Dr. Josiah Rich, and God bless you.